Are there times in your life when you tell yourself that maybe there's some things that we ask God help for that don't really matter to him or that maybe God's too busy to, to help us? Do we really think that we are that insignificant to God? The reality is God created us to need him. In today's message, Pastor Rick begins our series on the importance of God's help in our lives and how we struggle to ask for help, but those are the moments that we were made for. Good morning. I, uh, I wonder if you know where the term May Day comes from. And most of us know what it means. But where did it come from? Well, it came from the 1920s. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Frederick Stanley Mockford uh, created the, the term May Day to signal distress. But there's a story behind it. His superiors came to him. He worked at an airport in London. And they said, we need a word that everyone on a plane, everyone on a ship can understand that means distress, and it doesn't matter what language they speak or what country they come from. And at that time, he worked in London. Most of the air traffic occurred between London and France. So he, he picked a word from the French language, the word Mada. And it means help me. And it sounded like, and it kind of looked like Mayday. So they took the term Mayday, help me. And they decided that it would be used three times so that it couldn't be mistaken for any other phrase. That when you use this phrase, you're in dire despair. Mayday. 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 Help me. Help me. Help me. I wonder if you have ever had a Mayday moment. A moment where you had exhausted all other avenues and you have to look at God and simply say, help me. Maybe it was in your marriage and you felt like you had tried everything you could absolutely try and all you knew to do at that point was look at God and say, help me. Maybe as a parent, you felt like you were losing a child. And you had done everything you knew to do, and all you could do is look at God and say, help me. Maybe you faced an addiction, alcohol, substance, gambling, porn, and you'd done everything you knew to do. And you, just, you just couldn't beat it, and, and all that was left was to look at God and say, help me. Or maybe yours was the word cancer. And the doctors had done all they knew to do, and all you could do is look at God and say, help me. For the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the times and circumstances in, scriptures where, in Scripture where men and women uh, got to the place in life where they had to look at God and say, help me. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 41. you got a phone. Whatever you can do, highlight what we're going to read today. Uh, this is going to be our starting point for what I believe is a message from God. Uh, and I know you're turning in your scripture, but I need you to hear what I'm going to say. There's a difference between a sermon and a message. I wasn't supposed to preach live in this service, but I felt like what we're doing today is important enough that we rearrange things because I do feel like this is a message from God and not just a sermon. Read with me, if you will, Isaiah chapter 41, beginning in verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. 
I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Would you pray with me? Father, I uh, ask that you meet with us today. I, I feel like you already have. I know you're already here. Father, I pray that we would put our lives in a place to meet with you. That we would want to hear from you. Father, that we would be at a place where we'd say, whatever you have to say to me, God, I, I want to hear it today. Father, we need this. I pray that you would speak clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, God wants to help you. He wants to help you. We got this crazy thing about our view of God that we're, we're always afraid to ask God to help us. Maybe we look at our life and go, what I want to ask God to help me with is just not that important. I mean, God's pretty busy. And maybe he just doesn't have time to care about what I need to ask him for today. Or maybe it just doesn't matter to God. And yet the Bible answers those questions for us. If we look, the Bible tells us God loves us. We all know that. But how much does God love us? Does he care about the minuscule things? The Bible says he's numbered the hairs of our head, right? I mean, why? Why would he do that unless he wanted to be concerned about everything in our life? Did you know the book of Psalms tells us that every tear you've ever cried, God collected and put in a bottle? If he cares that much, he wants to know what's going on in our lives. He wants to come alongside of us and help us. Think of all the things Jesus said. He said, when you pray, pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. Isn't it crazy that he didn't say give us a month's worth of bread? I want you to be so dependent on me that daily you come to me and go, just give me what I need today, Father. Give me my food for the day. Jesus said, look at the lilies of the field. Look how they're clothed. Man, they're, they're, they're spectacular. And yet, they live today, die tomorrow, and thrown into the furnace. If God did that for the lilies of the field, how much more does he care about you? And so this brings us to this, this realization that we are created by God to be in a relationship of dependence on him. I need you to look at me. That he wants to help us and he wants us to be dependent on him. We fight it. But he wants us to be dependent on him. And it's that way from creation, right? God looks at man and I'm going to say this differently. And he looked at him and he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Watch this. He needs someone he can depend on. I want him to learn to be independence. And then God gives that man and that woman kids, right? Watch this picture. Who come into this world absolutely and totally dependent upon their children. Or on their parents. For everything. What's he trying to teach us? Look, I want you to see that I need you to be dependent. And, and the hardheads will be going, ah. Right? Independence. And if none of that has convinced you, then salvation should be the thing that points to our lives and said, you were created to need my help. You're not going to get out of this life in a good way unless you let me help you. So we were created by God for his help. And some of us struggle to ask. Right? It's just really hard. I need you to really listen to this. It's just really hard. You can call it pride. You can call it severe independence. You can call it a fear of being seen as weak. But here's the bottom line. It's sin. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that or not. 
But if the design of God was to create us in such a way that we need his help, then any time we don't ask for his help, it is sin. Because it is not moving us into the relationship that we need with him. So I want to pause right there and just let, you, let that sink in. Because here's the truth. There'll be some of you right now in situations in what you need is God's help. But you haven't asked yet. And I need you to understand that to be in a place where we need to look to God and be dependent on Him and to refuse to do it is sin. I want to tell you the story to illustrate this, and we're going to use this for the rest of our message of a guy named Hezekiah. I'm going to give you scripture. Do not go look it up. Right? All of you compulsive people like, oh, is he telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. <laughs> right? So, so here's, your three, here's your three scriptures, right? Second, Chronicle, uh, Second Kings 16 through 20, Second Chronicles 28 through 32, and Isaiah 38 and 39. Write them down. You can read about it later, but I'm going to tell you the story. Uh, Hezekiah had a father named Ahaz. Ahaz hated the things of God. He hated them. As one commentator said, he nailed the doors of the temple shut. He stopped the worship of God. He instituted idolatry. He did away with the priesthood. He did away with the Passover. Uh, He offered one of his own children as a sacrifice to the god Molech. Burned him alive. He was anti-everything that God was. And then Hezekiah takes the throne. And he swings the pendulum the other way. He was as devoted to God as his father, as much as his father hated God. And so he began to reinstitute the worship of God. He destroyed all the pagan altars that his father had built. That bronze serpent, for those of you who study scripture, you remember when Moses uh, led the children of Israel out and the snakes bit them and then he created this bronze serpent. If you look at it, you would live. Well, that thing had become an idol, Right, well, look at it, we live, now we're going to worship it. So Hezekiah has that thing destroyed, ground up, man. Get a, do it. He did away with everything. Reinstituted priesthood, reinstituted Passover, reinstituted the worship of God. The scripture tells us in 2 Chronicles 31 20 that Hezekiah did what was good and right and true in the sight of God. 2 Kings 18 5 says that Hezekiah was more zealous for God than anyone. Who preceded him. Second Kings 18.6 says he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. But kept his commandments. Which the Lord had commanded Moses. But even when you're a king. Who loves God. And serves God. And follows God. Life is still life. And there will be times when you need God's help. Why? Why if you were doing everything right. Would these circumstances come to life where you found yourself needing the help of God? Here it is. God created you to need him. And he will use life to get you to the place where you acknowledge you need him. He wants us to need him. And there were two seasons in Hezekiah's life um, where he needed God. And understand who we're talking about. We're not talking about me and you. We're talking about a king. Who could get anything he wanted by looking at someone and says, make sure it's done. Right? He, he was a man who gave commands, uh, uh, an independent man. But two things happened in life where he cried out for God's help. Uh, number one, the Assyrian army showed up at Judah uh, to, to take Judah captive. The Assyrian army was the most powerful army in the world at the time. 
Right? And Hezekiah knew that he would never win this war, never win it. So he begins to cry out, God help me, God help me, God help me. Hezekiah goes to bed that night, and overnight God shows up, and he helped Hezekiah. The next morning, when the sun came up, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers never woke up, died in their sleep. God showed up. God helped. The Assyrian army packs and goes home. Number two, there came a time in Hezekiah's life when he got sick. And the prophet Isaiah came to Hezekiah and he said, you're not going to recover. You're going to die. And the Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, wept, and began to pray, God, I don't want to die. And God heard him and he extended his life for 15 years. Now, we're going to draw three truths for our lives from the story of Hezekiah's life. Here's the first one. Godly living puts us in a place for our prayer to be heard. So i got some questions for you. Be careful answering these questions. Be careful not just to throw out the church answer. So number one, does God hear all prayers? Okay, we're going to have to be like more involved. Does God hear all prayers? Okay. Because he's God, nothing happens that he does not know and is not aware of. Because he's God, right? Does God, be careful, answer all prayers? Ooh, did y'all talk to the first service? As the first service was a predominant, yes. Yes, it's the old yes, no, wait a while. He always, okay, so let's try to understand what the Bible really says about prayer and our relationship with God. Being a child makes a difference. Being a child in right relationships makes a huge difference. Make sure you hear that. There's a huge difference between saying I'm a child and saying I'm a child in right relationship with my father. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. He says, um, if a son came to his father and said, would you give me a piece of bread, dad? Would any of you give him a rock? Or if he asked for a fish, would you hand him a live snake? And all the people are going, no, we would never do that. And then Jesus says this. He says, if you then being evil, will you acknowledge with me that we are evil? Amen. Yeah, we are. If you being evil know how to give good gifts, and this is the crazy thing, even evil people know how to do some good things. How much more will your Father in heaven do good things to those who ask? And here's what he's saying. Being a child matters more. Being a child in right relationship matters a lot. So being a child doesn't get you everything you want. But it does get you an answer. You should write that down. Doesn't get you everything you want. Just gets an answer. Yes. No. Wait. That's the privilege of being a child. Is the answer. But the Bible also tells us that sin puts a, relation, a distance in our relationship with God. I'm going to read you about three verses. Listen carefully to what these say. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Second verse, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Proverbs 1, 28 and 29. They will call on me, but I will not answer. 
They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So one of our men here is reading a book by Tony Evans, and he sent me this quote that just describes this perfectly. And this is the quote. Even though God is equally present everywhere in all of his fullness, he is not equally related to everyone and everything. In other words, we have an equality of essence, but not an equality of relationship. You begin to see how this works. Being a child makes a difference. But being a child in right relationship makes a huge difference. So Hezekiah put himself... In the place for his prayer to be heard. Second Chronicles 31.20. He did what was good and right and true before God. So first question, are you in a place where God is going to hear and respond to your prayer? But number two, everyone is eventually going to need God's help. Everyone is. So I want you to think about who Hezekiah is for a second. Uh, he is a king surrounded by people who get things done for him. He had two things that this world has lied to us and told us we'll fix every problem. Make sure you get this. Because I see no difference between Christianity and the secular world when it comes to this. Money and power. Have enough of them, you can fix any problem you face. And it is a lie. It will not fix any problem you have. The scripture tells us multiple times that God prospered Hezekiah greatly. 2 Kings 18, 7 says God prospered him. 2 Chronicles 32, 29 says God gave him great wealth. Verse 30 says God prospered him in everything that he did. And yet there were two times in his life, two lessons we learn. Keep them in your mind. Number one, even successful people are going to need God's help. From a purely secular position, Hezekiah had everything that this world believes will solve all of our problems, money and power. If you have power and money, you can get things done. You can solve any problem. And I need you to pay close attention to the rest of this message because there are things in this life that power and money cannot touch. Problems they cannot solve. I, I, I wrote this down. I put it in red in my notes. Success and wealth are seasonal blessings that often keep us from the very thing we were created for, and that is needing God. I need you to look up here. Success and wealth are seasonal blessings that often work against the very thing we were created for, and that is, I want you to need me. I want you to be dependent on me. I want you to ask me for your daily bread. Second thing, the second myth, godly people are going to need God's help. Um, we tend to believe when we run in Christian circles that godly people will never find themselves in a situation where they are so desperate they'll have to cry out, God help me. And yet Hezekiah did. In 2 Kings 18.5, he was more zealous for God than all his predecessors. 18.6, he clung to the Lord. He had a walk with God that no one else even came close to. And yet life happened. Life happened. There was no protective shield around him that kept him from heartache and loss. God is not an insurance policy. He's a relationship we have. So the man who had it all, listen very carefully, had two Mayday moments in his life. Two moments that made him say, help me, help me, help me. 
Here they are. Number one, an enemy he could not defeat. The Assyrians laid siege against the city of Judah, trying to take it captive. I don't know if you know what that means. It's just a great way to defeat an enemy without losing any soldiers. It's slow, but it is extremely effective. They cut off food. They cut off water. We read of the city of Samaria, and the scripture tells us that when a siege was laid against them, they cooked and ate their own children to live. It's serious business. Most powerful army in the world lays siege against Judah. Hezekiah gets on his face, and he says, God, help me. God, help me. I can't, I can't win this. There is no way I can win. I am lost unless you Help me. So what is the enemy you face that you cannot defeat? I mean, you've gone to battle and you keep losing. Because all of us have one. Is it your marriage? Is it an addiction? What is the enemy in your life that all the money in the world and all the power in the world can't fix? And why aren't you asking God to help you? Why aren't you crying out, God, help me? The second enemy that Hezekiah faced that you're going to face, we are going to face it, is death. All of Hezekiah's money, all of his power, could not stop death from coming. Look at me. Yours will not either. You're going to die. You're going to die. And you don't have enough to stop it. When death came to Hezekiah, he turned his face to the wall and he cried out for God's help. And when it comes to your life, you will too. You'll cry out to God, help me. Here's the great thing about the gospel. You don't have to wait until death comes to cry out to him. You can cry out to him today. God, I'm afraid to die. I don't want to be afraid to die. Will you save me? Again, remember, put the pieces together. You were created to need God's help. By design. Why we fight it? Because we're an independent, hard-headed people. And the ultimate moment that we, man, we do not want to end this life without coming to God for help. And you can do that today. The last thing, because some of this will get confusing to people when they ask for God's help and he doesn't. And so what we have to learn from Scripture is this. God's will trumps God's help. God's will trumps God's help because we always struggle. I asked God to help me, and he didn't. He doesn't love me, or he's not powerful enough to do something about this. So let me give you a biblical picture uh, uh, that explains this. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is going to the cross. He gets on his face in his mayday moment. He says, God, please don't let this happen to me. Please don't let it happen to me. And yet it did. God didn't come through. God didn't help him. So I have a question for you. Did God love him? That's a weak, weak answer. Did God love Jesus? Yeah. So what trumped God's help? 
Here it is. God had a plan for your salvation and my salvation that was bigger than the cry of his own son for help. God's will trumps God's help. Now, I want you to put your Bibles down. I want you to look at me. We're done. I want you to hear what i got to say. I'm 62, and few times in my life do I come across something and go, that's going to change my life. This is one of them. Um, I came to the realization as I worked on this message in my life, kind of tried to fly off the handle, um, that all that has happened to me in my entire life has been trying to move me to a place of utter and complete dependence upon Jesus. But when you're an independent, hard-headed, self-sustaining individual, it takes a lot to get you there. And I'm just now beginning to see that this is what's going on for me. Is that God wants me to let him help me. And I fight it. And you do too. I need you to understand just a couple of real clear truths. Number one, you were created to need his help. He wants to help you. And you're probably in a situation today where you need to ask for his help. Would you bow your heads with me? I wonder if in your life you have ever acknowledged your need of God's help. It's tough. Um, it's tough. It, it goes against the grain of who we are to ask Him to help me. It means I'm not good enough, strong enough, capable. But man, what a great place to be when you finally get there. When you realize the God of the universe wants to help you. It wants, I wonder if you've ever asked Him. I wonder if you've ever asked him to change your life, help you face death, begin following him. And then there'll be those of us who say, Pastor, I have. I, I want to ask you, are you, have you put yourself in a place where God will hear those prayers? Are you not just a child, but a child in good relationship? And then the final thing, are you in a Mayday moment right now? Are you at a place in your life where you have exhausted everything else and you are ready to say, God, help me. Help me. Help me. And we got ministers here at the front today. Man, we'd like nothing better than to love on you, pray with you, come alongside of you. Because we've all been there and say, listen, man, God, show up. Show up. Maybe you're ready to follow Jesus for the first time. I know the crowd's big today. I think it's extremely important that if God has moved you, you respond. That if the God of the universe spoke to you today, that you respond even though it may be difficult. Father, thank you for the time. Father, thank you for your word that just keeps on revealing truth after truth after truth. God, move here today. Speak to us. Help us. 
Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.